I have been in the insurance business for 18 years, and there's truly nothing that surprises me anymore. I have seen it all, and it's all happened to me in some form. In 18 years, doing most of my business door-to-door, outdoor sales, anything you can imagine that could happen to an outdoor salesperson has happened to me. I've been assaulted. I've been propositioned for sex. I've had children laugh at me, things thrown at me. I've been grabbed by the collar and drugged to the end of the street, thrown out of the building. I've been arrested. I've had birds poop on me. I've had sprinklers go off at the exact moment, perfect timing as you're walking down the street. Of course, I've had the door slammed. And well, to be honest with you, I'm not too ashamed to say I've even messed my pants out in the field. My name's Tony Merwin. I'm with the Vila Medicare Solutions out of Austin, Texas, and I'm an insurance dude. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Right now, while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. We took our notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies led Craig and I to selling more than $10 million in premium in the last two years. On this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the same results. Just go to live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us. If you jump on this call with us, we're certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there. <laughs> yeah. That might be the best intro ever. <laughs> and and he, just for anybody uh, listening along, he he just learned of this of this question about thirty seconds ago, so he that was, was right not prepped. Yeah, and we're looking at him because we have his videos on, and he just did. He didn't read something. He just did that. That was phenomenal. Do you have a podcast? Um, I do not. I've appeared on a few. I do a live show now every Wednesday in the Syndicate Insurance Group on Facebook. Uh, oh, Joe cool. Campert and I actually do that together. I think we've maybe had five episodes of it. And I also co-hosted the Strong Life podcast, which started in 2020, right when COVID kicked off. Ali Sala of Strong Family Financial and myself were doing that one. We ran that for about 18 months before he decided to shut it down. Huh. Wow. Well, keep talking about this COVID. I still haven't looked that up yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that. (laughs) Well, awesome to have you, Tony. This is going to be super fun. Let's just dive right in and and ask you. uh, So you said 18 years in the insurance business. Tell us how you got into this crazy world of insurance. Well, like most of the rest of the insurance idiots out there, I was recruited into it. Um, You know, most people don't wake up and go, hey. I think I'll go submit an application to be an insurance agent today. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, yeah, you know, I think I read a stat one time that said roughly 74% of insurance agents are recruited into the business in some form. Um, And I thought that was kind of a low number. I was surprised it wasn't over 90%. But nonetheless, that's what it said. But, yeah, a good friend of mine that I had worked with in a previous sales organization told me that she had a great idea and that I should meet with her manager for an interview for a sales and marketing position. Yeah. 
So I already knew it was something kind of fandangled because I knew her, but then I get there on the interview and obviously <laughs> it's a, it's a 1099 gig working for family heritage, selling cancer treatment policies door to door. And so I had done door to door before and done really well at team building and sales door to door. So when I looked at the product, I figured I'm going to knock it out of the park, but it turned out I was really terrible at it for a while. Oh, that is rough. I think that we need to give a nod to that statistic. And I'm scratching my head on it a little bit as, as you do too. It seems like, because what'd you say? You said 72% or 74 74 is the number that sticks out in my brain. Okay. So 26% want to do this or, or came into the business because this is what they elementary school told the teacher they wanted to be. Yeah. I, I don't see that as accurate and I'll tell you my evidence. So we've interviewed probably 300 agents. Mm-hmm. And only one agent said that since the time they were a little kid, they wanted to be an insurance agent. And that was Joe Camper. Oh, then it's two. <laughs> if he said it, then it's two. But I'm pretty sure he's one of yeah, them. It's a big agent out in uh, Seattle, uh, the Seattle area, Washington. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I would tend to believe you on that. Um, and maybe it's maybe the problem is in their definition of the word recruited. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, oh, that's crazy. So take us through that door to door selling yeah. those policies. Well, I, like I said, I had done door to door before with a different sales organization. We were actually an advertising and marketing group that went door to door doing a lot of sports promotions and service industry stuff and then got into it with family heritage. So I figured with my experience and ability to go door to door, I could talk about cancer insurance. No problem. And get this thing sold. The, the product looked great. Premium was great. I didn't know anything else. I was super green. Obviously, I didn't know anything about insurance, contracts, hierarchies, all this other stuff that's going on. I'm just like, cool, great product. Got a sales book. Let's go out there and hit the street, knock this out. Just go bang on doors. No leads, wow. no. It's a two and a half day crash course they gave me on the product after I got my license. <laughs> two and this is, you know, this is 18 years ago. This is when pre-licensing courses were all done live in a classroom. You know, so I sat through that two and a half day crash course. She said from the beginning of it, and I love her for this. She said, I'm only going to teach you what you need to pass the test. Whenever you get to where you're going in the world of insurance, they're going to teach you the rest of what you want to know, whatever it is that you're selling. Uh So did that, aced my test. And then uh, Family Heritage sent me up to Dallas for a two and a half day crash course, knocked that out, got my book, license was in effect. And they're like, all right, good luck. (laughs) Did you get bit by a dog? I did. Yeah. As I left that out. I have been bit by a dog. Oh, yeah, that, that, is, must... that is one of the other, like anything that's I... ever happened to an outdoor salesperson, uh, it's definitely uh, happened to me. Even a had to bartend for some people to make sales. Oh. Knocked on this one door. They were having a party. It was a Friday afternoon. And they're like, hey, yeah, come on in. We'll listen to your pitch, but you got to make us some drinks. Uh-huh. Little did well, they know I bartended late. in college. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be a lay down. And it, sure enough, and, it was. And I don't know if you're... <laughs> So speaking of laydowns, when you were pop propositioned, what was the outcome? I ran. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was, that was a really funny one. I'd gone by the house earlier in the day. She was busy, but was very interested, wanted me to come back and told me to come back around eight. And I'm like, well, eight o'clock. That's like, to, you know, I'm trying to get home and wrap it up at that point. But I'm like, all right, she seems really interested, probably wants some <laughs> cancer insurance. This, this lady, you know, is concerned. So I come back at eight. And it was a hot day in Austin, Texas. That's for sure. This was like mid-July or something. It was 100 degrees. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt and just coming out there. And I'm sweating already because I've been out there all day doing my gig. And she answers the door wearing much less than I was. 
<laughs> she basically had just like a robe on, you know, somewhat attractive looking. Uh, and that was about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, come on in. I was like, wait, this just this got strange all of a sudden. <laughs> but sure ran. enough, you know, I walk in and then she's like, you know, you, oh. so why don't you take a shower? It's hot. And I'm like, no, all right, I got to go. It's like, are you interested <laughs> in the cancer insurance? She's like, are you going to hang out and take a shower? I'm like, no. And she says no. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> oh, that is so unreal. So I don't know if that was an early win, but you had to have had some sort of early win that created a fuel under you that that really made you love doing this. What was um, that? Ooh, early win? Well, just money in your pocket. Once you figure it out, you start making some real cash, especially when the next month that cash keeps coming in, even maybe though you didn't have a good sales month, right? Uh-huh. You know, that was the thing when I started to see my renewals growing. And this was actually after, because I only stayed with Family Heritage for about 14 months. I was terrible with them. I was basically writing two apps a week. I was the bottom guy on the leaderboard. I sucked. And then I met a guy who introduced me to Medicare. And then when I flipped over to Medicare and started working and building, I saw the compounding growth happening, you know, fairly quick. So that's what turned me on was just seeing the money stack up. I understood that. And that was the big difference. Like, you know, when Family Heritage recruiting, and I'm not saying anything bad about Family Heritage. I have friends that come from Family Heritage. They're great company, great products, killer organization. Just I, I was so bad at insurance sales when I first started. You could have put any product in my hands. I would have sucked with it. But I found a mentor that actually taught me the real business, taught me everything. Contracts, hierarchy, structure, residual income, the whole nine yards on a true independent level. Uh, so that changed everything for me. Cause he, so that was kind of more the thing that kind of locked me in the win, so to speak. I felt like uh-huh. I found someone that was fully transparent in the business, if that makes yeah. sense. It kind of helped you understand the pipeline and, and the activity needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause the organization I'd come from before was all about hierarchy structures. It was basically a multi-level marketing platform, uh, doing sports and golf promotions and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so I understood the power of duplication already. I understood what it meant to build teams and everything. And even though that wasn't, none of that was brought to light with me in my first organization, he brought it to light very quick and said, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what we can do with your experience over here. We can work on team building here and we can blow this thing up. And I said, let's go. What's the hundred foot view of what he told you? The tiny piece of market that you really need to build a huge income in the insurance space. I think a lot of people get caught up thinking that they have to get this ridiculous number of clients or business or whatever. But the truth is, if you understand the whole market scope, the size of the market, the sheer size of the opportunity, then you realize that, wow, if I only need 0.01% of it to make a million dollars a year. So when I kind of realized how how true the opportunity was to build a great income and in insurance, uh, that's what turned me on. He kind of gave that viewpoint to me. They're like, look, this is how big the market is. This is how big the market will continue to grow. And said, you know, you can build a killer income in this business. I love that. So describe your team right now. I know you would mentioned uh, you have a team right now. Describe your team, their roles, and and how you've kind of set that up. Yep. Uh, We have a a small agency of a handful of guys that are selling remotely. I got a couple going through training. Uh, that we'll hopefully have up and running before annual election period this year. We'll see how they do. Uh, but they're going through basically going through licensing. You know, they're green behind there themselves, working on studying to pass their test. But basically, they just sell uh, Medicare products remotely. We focus on the turning 65 market because that's where, in my opinion, the the biggest market vacuum exists. I mean, maybe not vacuum, but 
there's a lot of reason to go after it, not only because they need the most help, especially for the Hispanic space, which is what we focus on. They're the most underserved, but we really want to focus on it on an educative, consultative approach on teaching them how the transition to Medicare works when you leave maybe the employment or uh, group insurance or you're retiring and you're truly moving over to government funded or someone or taxpayer funded health insurance, truthfully, mm-hmm. when you're moving into that kind of a program, what's that like? So then we take a serious educational approach. So those people that are turning 65 are new to Medicare. They don't know anything about it at all. It's confusing as hell. It's a government program. That's pretty much all you got to say. Right. And then they're getting absolutely bombarded between call centers and the other agents out there and agencies that are all going after the the Medicare market, they get crushed from inbound noise. So we try to cut through it very clearly with the consultative approach using a variety of assets uh, that we designed at Medicare Educational Guidebooks, very educational brochures and pieces that help them, helps us not only brand ourselves, but it truly helps educate them because we believe that people want to work with those that educate them. So that's kind of the angle that we're truly taking. And since we focus on the Hispanic market, we do it all in Spanish. Uh-huh. Ah, so cool. And your niche, your niche definitely is more patient and understanding and needing education, I think. It is. Medicare in itself is such is much different type of sale than say final expense or PNC or anything else like that. It takes a lot more education on the client to really understand what they're getting involved in. Uh-huh. Um, because there's enrollment guidelines, there's different qualification levels for, between Medicare and Medicaid when they get into the, the, the lower income situations. There's all these different ridiculous plan options. And it's funny because when I first started in the Medicare space, which was 2005 and six, there was basically four Medicare supplement products that an agent could sell. Now, just in Texas, to give an example, there's like 52 different Medicare supplement products oh, to choose wow. from. In the Medicare Advantage plans, same kind of deal. Like those were non-existent when I started. And then they started picking up speed probably around 2008 or so, and then really started to gain major traction around 2012. And then now in the average county has over 30 plans in the Medicare Advantage side of things to pick from. Uh, Drug plans are the same deal. There's like 50 plus drug plans you can choose from in Texas. So there's a a, a mess of products out there. It's a very convoluted thing for people to have to untangle and figure out what's best for them. So it pays to have an advisor, so to speak, you know, so we kind of take that approach with it. It's so important. And I think even though we have a pretty heavy audience of PNC insurance agents, so it's a little different, but but the concept here that I'm going to lay out is the same. You have defined your avatar, right, and niched it down where it's it's Medicare, which is the older demographic, and Hispanic. So you've identified who they are, and then that educational approach is exactly what they need, especially considering that the product has so many different confusing pieces to it. Correct. Steve that. Jobs said the, this talking about the Apple iPhone, which is certainly even more complex than Medicare, but it's close or not sort of the iPhone, but any Apple product. But he said, you always have to build your product with the end user in mind, uh-huh. right? And reverse engineer it to the product that you need to create, not try to create right. a product and shove it on the users. Exactly. Right. I think, you got to think, think about I mean, who's using it. Yeah. And I think that sometimes PNC agents can get caught in this. I want to be con- consultative and give all the information to educate. Although many times the consumer is not interested in that. Correct. So it's, you definitely need to educate, but at a much, I think at a lighter level because they don't want to hear it. Right. Again, taking that end consumer in mind and delivering what they need. So yeah. I think that's really interesting what you've done. Now, 
culture in an agency is really important. And you're now in this world where remote is is a thing, right? A few years ago, remote was crazy. If you got a remote person, you didn't know what to do. And and now here we are in this world where remote employment is totally normal. How do you create culture when you're not even sitting in the same room? You celebrate it in the additional, I guess, the, the in the ancillary things, or there'd be the tools that you're using. Meetings is certainly like constantly got to have a weekly meeting of some sort. So every Tuesday we get together for a training time. Not always is it training, but usually it is. Sometimes it's just announcements and things that need to be brought up, you know, product changes, whatever it might be. But generally speaking, you have to still be able to tie everybody into, I would say, at minimum, a weekly call to keep everybody on target with each other. Outside of that, we understand that everything that we do is about celebrating the Hispanic culture 100%. So we do that through the way we speak with our customers, the way we advertise to them, the way we present products to them, the way our YouTube channel gets designed, the way our Instagram channel runs, like any of those things. So everybody can get behind it. For those, like you guys see me on video. Anybody listening to this podcast doesn't necessarily see me on video, but you can probably tell by my voice, I am not Hispanic. I am cracker ass white, just to be completely honest with you. Um, My wife is Colombian and I have actually even before her, and she should already know this, but I've dated many other Hispanic women in my life. I've always kind of had a flavor for that culture, love the music, love the dance, blah, blah, blah. But when my wife came to me, I was like, I want to get an insurance because of her culture and her background. I'm like, I told her, like, you know, obviously we're going to go after the Hispanic space and you're going to kill it. You're absolutely going to kill it. So when we started creating our brand and what we wanted to do, that's when all of that flavor started to come out, that every aspect of what we do celebrates the Hispanic culture 100%, regardless of which country you're from, it doesn't matter. If you're Hispanic, we want to make sure that you're taken care of with what you've now inherited in America. So I love that. So we yeah, really push it. And that's that's in everything that we do, like even as we're going to about to start rolling out agent trips, like any agent trip we do is always going to be somewhere south of the border, Uh, whether it's somewhere in Mexico, somewhere in South America, like the, the, probably the least like, well, we do have a trip for Miami and a trip for San Antonio. So, you know, still there, maybe it's not quite south of the border, but those are the smaller (laughs) ones, but any of the bigger trips are always going to be anything that we do. We'll always just completely celebrate that culture and everything that we do. So that, that makes it easy to get them excited and tie them in. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that too, because it's that whole purpose. You guys have a very clear vision on on your business, which is definitely attributes to, to success. Correct. And then any of the outsourcing that we do where we can, which is through our appointment setters and also our social media assistants, they're all uh, in Colombia. Oh, cool. That is so, awesome. So we want to make sure that we not only celebrate it here, but we do our best to help create opportunity in those Hispanic communities as well outside of the U.S. I love it. I love it. I'm sure you're getting the hamster wheel running for a lot of agents out there that are listening. So I I love it. So talk about, so you have a team of five right now. How did you recruit and how do you do ongoing recruiting and how do you approach that whole subject? Our current group has just been warm market. That's it. I mean, you know, the first agent that came on board other than me is my wife. So, you know, she's the one that kind of spearheaded this whole thing. And then, uh, We had an agent that actually saw, I want to say her YouTube videos or maybe saw something on Facebook that she was doing. 
And then she called me up, said she was down in the Valley of Texas, says, hey, you know, not really happy with the way things are going down here. You know, I see what your wife is doing. I really like the flavor and kind of y'all's angle. You know, I'd like the opportunity to come work with y'all. So, you know, she kind of inbound recruited herself. Uh, so she helps us out in the Valley. Another agent I met at an event in Dallas was a SWAT conference, the Strategic Wealth Accumulation Tactics Conference that Nate Offert puts on. I met Manny up there. And then the other ones, Grace is all recruited again for market. So we haven't run any. We're, we're getting close to the point where we're going to start doing some mass recruiting. So and I don't know necessarily mass, but we want to we want to double our agent base by nice. AEP if we can pull it off. That's that's the real goal. We're not trying to grow super fast. Right. Because I want to make sure that each agent that we bring on has the time that we can spend with them, that we can invest in them, not just recruit a bunch of masses of asses and go, all right, here's the phones, <laughs> you know, go knock yourselves out. We'll see who knows how to sell and we'll keep you all. You know, that's that's not the angle. We I want to bring somebody on that we can invest the time in, really bring them up, let them understand our vision. We can understand their vision, what they want for themselves, make sure everything aligns. So, you know, we're not going anywhere and there's plenty yeah. of time to make money in this business, even though we do want to scale it quick. We're not trying to scale it overnight. Right. So right. if I can double my agent base between now and AEP, I'd be super happy. Uh, and then from there, we can start to grow faster. That's great. Nice. How long has your wife lived in the U.S.? Make sure I don't want to say. F- f- so we've been married seven years. So I guess 16 years, 16 years, Four, 14 say- or 16, somewhere in there. Does she say y'all? No, she yeah. sure doesn't. Not that I can, I can't think off. I've ever heard her say that. She speaks a lot of Spanish and we hang out with yeah. a lot of her Spanish speaking friends and everything. Uh-huh. So when she has the opportunity to speak Spanish, she will always lead with that. And even, I'm trying to think, like even when we go visit my family, when she leaves, she doesn't say see y'all later. She says nos vemos, which means uh, see y'all yeah. later. Yeah. But like she still says her all her salutations, right? hellos, goodbyes, and all that are always in Spanish, regardless of who she's talking to. Yeah. My wife's from Brazil and she, when I met her, she had a really thick Brazilian accent. Now it's kind of gone away. I don't think it's even there anymore. But No, Grace still has a pretty thick accent. That's awesome. And the, the more angry she gets, the the thicker it gets. The f- yes. The faster it gets, <laughs> the sharper it gets. Yeah. The more yes. Spanish it gets. The, yeah. Definitely the faster it gets. really mad if you smile because you think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yes. Yes. Very I know true. very well. So what when you bring on somebody new, you bring on a new, uh, new player to the team, what kind of things do you do to ensure they're going to be successful? I start, number one, I want to know what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish. You know, and that's obviously starts in the hiring process in general. Uh, but once we've agreed, you know, the first is we just get them right into a Medicare one-on-one. We just start making sure we, they, they learn Medicare. That's the first thing. We get them to the point where they can, I mean, my goal is to always have them to the point where they can pretty much teach me the nuts and bolts as far as the basics of it go. So they're dangerous enough for the phone. And that usually doesn't take too long. And then it's systems, you know, or it's a mix of that. You know, sometimes it's just industry and product knowledge. And then, you know, the other part of the day is just looking at systems, going through our systems tools. I need to, uh, and this is a, this is a shortcoming of mine, but something I need to do is go ahead and just record videos of all of our system tools and walk them through how to use those. So I can just sit them down and go here, watch these videos. Uh, But currently that's either hands-on and through zoom or whatever we got to do. Awesome. And, And what would you say is your most effective training tip right now? Uh, would be in probably more an attitude and letting them understand being very truthful with them of how hard it's going to be to make your first sale, number one, and then the type of work ethic you have to have to continue making sales. 
uh, and to understand that just because there's 10 leads sitting in your dashboard doesn't mean that's 10 sales. Like this isn't right. 10 people that are waiting for you to call them to fill out an application. This is 10 people that have expressed some kind of interest and they would at least like to get some kind of a response from us. And so understand, right. you know, because most of our leads still at this point, because we haven't gotten to the point where our brand is flashy enough where people are recognizing our brand. Like I'm not doing branded direct mail. Right. We're not at that level right. yet. And I've already tried it once. I thought I could pull it off with the seminar that we were doing and I was dead wrong. We're still not that good, even though we are getting some inbound traffic. That's all through our social media. So yeah. I'm still running just basic generic white and black blank card direct mail. Right. Gets okay. a general response. Call them up. I do plug those people into our go high level lead system so that if they've included their cell phone or an email, it starts to warm them up. Because it starts to immediately deliver them our ebook and some of our other branded assets that educate them while the agent's trying to get them on the phone. So that certainly helps. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just letting, as far as getting back to your question, is just letting them understand exactly what they're going to be up against, right? Those 10 leads aren't 10 sales. Those are 10 people that you got to figure out how to sell them, and make sure you have the right solution. And there's like in there, there's probably two sales. Right. <laughs> so you have to be willing to call all 10 of them. You can't call three and go, these leads suck. Uh, right. right. So I think that is just really setting the standard there and, and getting the expectation up so that they understand when they are on the phone. Yeah, you're going to hear no more often than not, especially when they're a brand new salesperson, yeah. uh, which is typically the ones that I prefer. Uh, yeah. Yep. You know, as long as I know they have the charisma, the personality and the work ethic, my favorite person is someone that's really never done sales or at least never done insurance sales. Yeah. You know, because they, they all have their own habits and beliefs. Yep. It's funny how most sales agents just say, like, you always hear somebody say these leads suck. Sure. It's like they're not going to sell themselves. Like it's almost like, you know, sales agents want them teed up and they want the, the service. It's like that service work. The sales yep. is you. You you create the sales. Yep. Like Until that customer picks up the phone and calls you because they want to do business with you, the leads will continue to suck. <laughs> yeah. The leads don't do anything. Yeah. Well, unless they're the Glenn Glare, Gary Glenn Ross leads. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Glenn Gary leads are where it's at, but nobody knows where they're at. Yeah, they're, they're on hidden. pink cards wrapped up with the bow somewhere. Yeah, they're <laughs> hidden. So you talked about the trips, and, and that certainly is a huge motivator, I think, for, for many people. What other kind of things do you do on a day-to-day basis to keep keep that sales team super motivated? On a day-to-day basis, I try to stay out of their way a lot, to be honest with you. I yeah. know – Grace, she likes to do trainings with the appointment setters. Grace is my wife, our lead agent. So she likes to do uh, stuff with the appointment setters on a very regular basis. So I let her kind of spearhead some of those day to day because I don't have that time day to day so much. So and not to mention, I tend not to like to hire agents that need daily attention in that regards. Like if you need me to come behind you and pat you on the back and tell you you're doing a good job and work harder today and the leads need to be called, that's not the kind of person I'm going to hire. So, and I, and that's another expectation that I do my best to set up front. Like this isn't a babysitting job. This is a business opportunity. These people aren't employees of mine. They're 1099. They have, you know, their own vested commission contract and everything as well. So there's tying into the system that we've created to help them flourish as a remote sales opportunity. So I express right up front, like this is a business opportunity. I'm not going to baby you. Uh, these are the metrics that I expect you to hit. Here's the metrics for uh, the bonuses and there's where they start. So here's all the income potential. It's a very simple income or comp structure that we built, but you can make a killing at it if you're willing to work hard. So 
that expectation gets set early. And then other than that, I do my best to meet with them monthly. I mean, not monthly, but weekly. And then, uh, and I'm there anytime they need me. So I have a super open door, open phone, open Facebook, open email, whatever they need. If you need anything from me, don't hesitate. I'm here to help you. But outside of that, I want to stay out of your way. And these are the parameters that are expected of you. If you want to maintain the level of support we're willing to give you. Love that. Hey, what are you still doing here? Well, while you're still here and while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. Yeah, if you weren't listening before, we took notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies did help Craig and I write over $10 million in premium in the last couple of years. And let me tell you, on this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the very same results. Again, that's live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us. And if you jump on with us, we are certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there.